while, I want to start out today by just saying a special welcome to everybody who's joining us online. We're glad that you guys are with us. Hey, I have to, before I get into today's message, um, I just need to say to you guys here at the Hastings campus, along with everybody joining us online, Middleville, Delton, um, how proud I am to be a part of this church. So we have been doing this thing called Hope for the Holidays, and we're, we're asking you to help maybe adopt a family or buy a gift or give some money towards it. And so this holiday season, as of like last night, the latest numbers that I heard is that we are going to... We're going to serve over 700 people through this, this uh, season, which is just incredible, amazing. Um, and, and I was actually asking Karen Beck, which uh, Karen Beck is our director of, of, um, of outreach. Uh, she, does, she oversees all that. She just started and did an amazing job with this whole thing as she just came on um, just a couple of months ago and was tasked with this. And, and I was like, well, like, that, like, what does that mean necessarily? And she was saying that that means at least seven, there's at least 700, if not a little bit more than that, people who will be getting some type of gift or, or they got a Thanksgiving basket. In fact, she said that the Thanksgiving baskets that we gave out, um, that she included that as one person, which I know those baskets went to more than that. So over 700 people. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So again, thank you guys for your generous hearts. Incredible. Uh, love, love being a part of our church when we do things uh, like that. So uh, we're in a series called Communication Breakdown. And really what we're talking about in this series is the idea of prayer and how oftentimes for a lot of us, I think we can relate that sometimes when we pray, when we go to God in prayer, whether you are, have been a follower of Christ for a long time or maybe you're kind of new to the whole idea of following Jesus, that, that prayer is difficult sometimes because you feel as if, like, God, when I pray sometimes, and, and I'll admit, like, this is me, sometimes when I pray, I'm like, like, do you hear me? Like, are you there? Because it can be difficult. Sometimes it feels like there's a breakdown in our communication. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. And the good news is, and we've been talking about this in the series, is that Jesus actually gave us the answer as to how we should pray. I think he actually gave us the answer in, in how we can come to God and understand that there doesn't have to be a communication breakdown, that he is present, he wants to hear from you. Um, and of course, this answer is found in this thing that many of you have heard or you've recited or you've known before. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, you know, starts out by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, and so on and so on. And we've been kind of walking through what does that mean? Because Jesus wasn't saying, you just recite this prayer over and over, and then, you know, all your prayers are going to be answered, and that's how you do it. But he was giving us a template as far as how we should be going to God in prayer. So just to give you an idea of where we're going, I'm going to be talking about this today. And then next weekend, I hope you'll come back because Jeff is going to be um, finishing up this series on communication breakdown. Don't think you're going to want to miss it. And then I also want to remind you that for the month of December, we have some really, really, really good stuff planned uh, for you guys at all of our campuses, everything that we're doing when it comes to the holiday season. In fact, Christmas Eve, I'm telling you right now, uh, you need to be here for Christmas Eve. I I think we have some really fun stuff planned. I don't think you're going to want to miss it. I hope you'll show up to Christmas Eve. And not only do I hope that you'll show up, I hope that you'll think about inviting somebody. That this holiday season, that you'll think about who it is in your life that you know who is far away from God, who might be willing to come during the holiday season and be a part of that. In fact, at, at, right here at the Hastings campus, we have in the lobby a booth that says ready to invite. There's cards on there. You can grab some of those cards and those actually have our Christmas Eve service times on them. It's a great way to invite people just to give it out. And again, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you need to be here, okay? So you all need to be here. You got that? Everybody's going to be here, right? No one's going out of town. Everybody's going to stay. Good. Good to hear that, all right? So this week, I'm going to continue this series talking about this idea of prayer and what this looks like. And if you missed any of the past weeks, you can go back. You can listen to all the messages online. But just to give you a quick overview, Jesus, when he teaches us how to pray, 
He says the first thing that we do when we go to God is he he uses the words, hallowed be thy name. Now, again, he's not telling you that that's what you need to say, but what he is saying is the first thing we do when we go to God is not ask God for all the things that we want, but we go to him and we give him praise. We, We start by acknowledging who it is that we're talking to. We give him praise. And then the next thing is this idea where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the idea behind that is that we are simply saying to God, before I get to my laundry list, before I tell you all the things that I really want you to do in my life, God, I want you to know that I want your will to be done in my life. I I might really be talking about, God, I want plan A to work out, but if you have a plan B, I, I want that more than plan A. Whatever it is that you want, that is what I want. And then it gets to this part where he says, give us today our daily bread. And that's where we get to bring all the things that we want to bring to God, that we get to go to him and say, God, I really would like for you to do this. I'd like for you to do that. And we could do this. Again, understanding that we want his will before our will. So after we get through that part, give us today our daily bread, Jesus, he goes on and he says this. That's not working. Is that not not going to work? Nope, it's not going to work. Okay, so he says this up there. It says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, so Jesus says that when you pray, you first go to him, you give praise to God. And remember, when you give praise to God, it does something to your heart. And then we say, God, I want your will before my will, and then give me, give me, give me. And then the next thing that we do is he talks about this idea of forgiveness. Now Jesus says you come before him and you, you, you petition him in forgiveness. Now he talks about two different things in this verse as far as what we are to come to God when it comes to forgiveness. The first one, he says, is that I want you to to pray that you would receive forgiveness. In other words, that we go to God and say, God, would you forgive me of my sins, of the things that I've done wrong? But he also talks about how we are to be giving forgiveness to people in our lives. Now, if you're like me, the first one, personally, is a little bit easier for me. that, That I can come before God and I can pray that he would forgive me of my sins. So I go to God and I say, God, I'm just praying that you would forgive me of all the things that I've messed up in. And maybe there's certain things that I talk to him about, the things that I've done wrong. And for me, if if I'm really to be honest of the two, that one's a little bit easier for me. Now, I also understand that some of you, you truly struggle with this. The idea that the God of the universe could forgive you of what you've done wrong in your life. Because of some of your past, because of maybe the things that you've done, how could it be, how could, how could God actually forgive me of all the mess of my life? And some of you are going, Joel, if you knew my past, if you knew what I've done, you wouldn't actually say that God could forgive me. There's no way that he could because of what you've done. And I'm here to remind you today, some of you, you're beating yourself up over and over and over again because of your past. You're beating yourself up for all the things that you've done wrong. And I'm not saying that you should be proud of your sin But I think when you realize how ugly your sin is, when I realize how ugly my sin is, and Jesus says, I will forgive you, if you'll ask. Some of you need to hear this today. God's love for you is so great that he does forgive you when you ask him to forgive you. And here's what I love about Jesus. Not only does he forgive you, but he truly erases it. He doesn't keep bringing it up. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a relationship before and you do something wrong and, you know, maybe you mess up or, or, or you, you, you know, you, you do something to your spouse or maybe it's to a friend or a brother or a sister and, and you know that you did something wrong 
And you go to them and you say, hey, would you forgive me? I'm, I'm so sorry that I did that. I know I was wrong. Or they approach you on it. You're like, yep, I, I messed up. I screwed up. I should not have done that. And they say to you, yes, I'll forgive you, right? And then maybe it's like five minutes later. Maybe it's a day later. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's a year later. They bring it back up, like, right? Like they throw it back in your face. Any of you ever have that happen to you before? It's like, it's like that you said you forgave me. And, and yet the reality is really you didn't forgive me, right? In other words, you, you ask for the forgiveness, but, and they say that they forgive you, but then they just bring it, bring it back up. Or better yet, um, many of you probably have done this before, where you do something dumb. Like, it's not like a sin, but you just did something, you said something, you acted foolish in some way, and you're hoping that your best friends like, have forgotten about that thing that you did that was so dumb, and years later, they're still reminding you of your dumbness, right? Like, like they're like, remember that time when you did that thing, and it was like the most ridiculous thing ever, and you're like, are they ever going to forget about that moment in my life, right? So I, one of the things I love about my job, I actually think I have the greatest job in the world. I love what I get to do, and not only do I love my job, I love who I get to work with. And one of the things about our culture here at TBC with the staff is we love to pick on each other. I mean, it's just one of those things that we do. In fact, in interviews, no joke, we literally say, like, are you tough-skinned? Like, can you take some, like, people picking on you? Because that's just kind of our culture. We love, and there's nobody exempt from it. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. I mean, Pastor Jeff gets it. I mean, I get, everybody gets picked on. I mean, it's just kind of like our culture and what we do. And if you do something dumb, we make sure you remember it for years to come, okay? I mean, it's like, it is a given. We never forget dumb moments. It's like, I swear, it's like they just don't go away, right? And so many of you know Brian Moat, who's our worship leader here at the Hastings campus. He is probably He's probably the wittiest guy I've ever met in my life. Like, if there is somebody who, like, knows how to make jabs and, and kind of, like, gets you, I mean, he, he loves, like, saying short jokes to me all the time about how short I am. I mean, he just, he's so witty in, in how he does things. But years ago, we were in, in a meeting, and, and, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but we were, somehow the, the Sistine Chapel came up, right? The chapel, many of you know, I mean, it's just beautiful chapel, the Sistine Chapel, right? And, and some, that came up, and Brian said, oh yeah, that, that, that thing called the 16th chapel, the one, he thought it was called the 16th, like number one six, right? Like the 16th chapel. And we're like, wait, what did you just say? And he said, he's like the 16th chapel. We're like, like the number 16? Like, is that what you really think it's called? And he's like, well, yeah, that, it's the 16th chapel, right? We're like, no, Brian, it's the 16th chapel. Like, it's not the 16th, one six. And to this day, like Brian will say something dumb and we're all like, oh, did you learn that at the 16th chapel? Is that where you, 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 you found that out? Is that, and it's like, I know there's moments where Brian's like, could you please forget that moment? Like, like it was just one of those, I, would you, but trust me, we remind him on a regular basis of what he did. Now, that's fun and all, but when you've truly fallen on your face and it's brought back up over and over, and some of you, you understand this because you're in a relationship right now where you truly have asked for forgiveness, you have repented, you feel so sorry for what you did. And they tell you that they forgive you and the reality is they haven't because they continue to bring it up. And that's the amazing thing about following Jesus is he does it. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this, for I, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Jesus says that I will, I will wipe it clean. So, so we ask for forgiveness, but then get this. This is what Jesus also says. He says, not only do you need to ask for forgiveness, he says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now let's just talk about this for a moment. This one's a tough one, right? When someone wrongs you, 
When, when someone has, has done something where they owe you because of how they've messed up in your life or something that they've done, it's sometimes difficult to forgive. I was thinking about this this past week as I was putting this message together and uh, my, my family's going through a, a situation right now that's kind of been difficult to us and I can't give all the details, but you know, I can, I can handle in my life when, when somebody like rips on me or somebody's mad at me. I mean, I, I, I have that happen on occasion and it, I, can, I can deal with it. But for me, many of you can relate to this. When, when my wife and my kids are brought into it, it's like a different story for me, right? Like, like it burns. And there's this thing happening in our lives where um, there's this person who um, have really attacked my, my wife and my kids and it's, it kills me. And I'm telling you, for me, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I actually think like sometimes like, how can, how can you do that? Like, how can you really think that that's okay? And, and don't get me wrong, we're not perfect. But this one has been hard for me. And then as I'm, I'm studying this idea of, of how I can go to God and I can ask him to forgive me, as I have forgiven, forgiven those who have wronged me. And I came across this verse where, where Jesus says it this way. He says, for, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, he says that your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, this is the part of the verse I hate. He says this, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He makes it very clear to me. He says, part of prayer is, Joel, that you are asking God to forgive you because, yes, you have fallen short so many times. But part of prayer is also to forgive the people who have wounded you in your life. In fact, Jesus says this, Joel, if you choose not to forgive that person, I don't care what they've done to you, don't expect forgiveness from me. That hurts. Because I want to tell Jesus all the reasons why they don't deserve forgiveness. And Jesus says to me, no, no, Joel, actually they do. And in fact, if you choose not to forgive them, then you don't, can't expect forgiveness on my end as well. Now, now, Jesus doesn't say this in the verse, but this would just be my interpretation and my guess, my best guess at this. I think the reason why Jesus says in the middle of prayer that we give praise, we, your will before my will, right? And again, think about that. Sometimes forgiving people is God's will, not my will, right? And that's why we say, I want your will before mine. But I think one of the reasons why Jesus says that we need to not only ask for forgiveness, but also in the midst of prayer that we're going to him saying, and God help me to forgive this person who has wounded me, I, I'm guessing, and I don't know this, but my guess is the reason why Jesus would say, I want you to do this in the midst of prayer is because he realizes that you, he realizes that myself, we're not strong enough to do it on our own. That, that sometimes we have to go to God in prayer and say, God, this is a very difficult situation for me. That I'm not good enough on my own to forgive this person. And though it might feel impossible alone, with God it actually is possible. And when you think about it, Jesus is not asking you and I to do anything that he wasn't the best example of in his own life. Jesus was innocent. If you read the stories, if you read the gospel of Jesus and, and his life, he was an innocent man, and yet he gets led to a cross to be crucified. It says this, the gospel of Luke. Luke is giving us kind of a painting, a picture. He says, two other men, both criminals, he says, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, it said they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. I want to paint a picture of this for you a moment, for a moment. The cross, you have to understand, was saved for the worst of the worst. 
In fact, doing a crucifixion was very expensive, and so it wasn't like they just crucified everybody, but the worst of the, the worst criminals were crucified. And the reason was because it actually was so much torture on those people. Now, and oftentimes when we, when we look at pictures that people have painted of Jesus on the cross, we, we view him being really high up on the cross, and that's actually not what happened. A crucifixion, when you were hanging on the cross, you were probably like this far off the ground. And the idea behind that was that you could maybe put your tippy toes down just to lift yourself up just a little bit to just get another breath because it was such torture. So imagine with me for a moment that you are Jesus, you're on the cross, you're hanging there, and you're reading about how people are mocking Jesus. They're not looking up at Jesus mocking him. They are eyeball to eyeball with Jesus. They're spitting in Jesus' face. They're not spitting up at him. They're spitting directly in his face. They're mocking him to his face. They're yelling, hail, king of the Jews. They're saying, hey, you saved other people. Why don't you save yourself, Jesus, right? I mean, they're mocking this guy. They're spitting on him. They're slapping him. They're hitting him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And in that moment when those people were at their worst, in that moment where, man, I think to myself, if I was Jesus, I would have had a lot of things that I would have done right there, right? Because he is all-powerful. And in that moment, Jesus didn't choose to do any kind of revenge. In that moment, he says this to his father. He says, Father, forgive them. What? He says, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Jesus is asking that God would forgive the people who are mocking him, who are spitting in his face. People that you and I would look at and say they are the worst scum of all time. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Let's just kind of call it what it is. If you live long enough, you're going to get hurt by somebody. You will get hurt by somebody. somebody. And many of you, today, you're carrying wounds in your life because Maybe somebody abused you at one point in your life. Somebody that you know and you have a name in your head right now. Somebody took advantage of you. Somebody maybe hurt one of your children. Maybe they hurt a friend of yours. Or maybe somebody just hasn't treated you fairly. Somebody who said that they were a Christian. The reality is they didn't act very Christ-like in in their life, right? Maybe it was a church that actually wounded you and hurt you. and, And you feel this anger and this bitterness towards a church. Or maybe somebody gossiped about you. Maybe for some of you it's a boss, it's an ex-boss because you, you would say, man, I worked really hard for that guy. I gave everything that I had for them and then they fired me. I didn't deserve it. Some of you, the person in your mind right now, they're actually not alive anymore. Some, some of you have been wounded by somebody who, they're not even left on this earth and yet you carry this hurt and this pain in your life. Some of you, it's actually God. Some of you are so frustrated with God for how could he allow this thing to happen in my life? Maybe it's a mom or a dad. Some of you, you you would say, Joel, you know, for me, it's actually not anything like that. Like, for me, it's not anything big. Like, you talk about, like, someone wounded you and really being mean and nasty. It's not that. But you just have this person in your life that you just can't stand. You don't even know what it is, right? It's like when they walk in the room, something inside of them, you just go, I don't like you, right? It's like, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. It's like something about that, that family member, something about that sibling, something about that mother-in-law, that father-in-law, that you're just like, I don't even, I can't even pinpoint it. But they just drive me absolutely nuts. So we have these, these feelings in our lives, and, and I'm not downplaying them. I think they're real. So so how do we choose to forgive? How do we do as Jesus taught us to do in the midst of prayer to not only ask 
that we receive forgiveness, but that we choose to actually forgive those who have wronged us. I have a couple of thoughts on this, and I would say that these are pretty simple. Like These are not profound, but I, I'll tell you, they're not easy to do. And the first one is just this, is that I think how you forgive is that you start by praying for those people who hurt you. You pray for them. Now, this is what it says in the book of Luke. The, the writer, he says this. He says, bless those who curse you. And I want you to pray for the people who mistreat you. I, I know what some of you are thinking right now because I'm, I've been there. I hate to say it, but I've been there. I know some of you are going, okay, I can pray for them. I'll pray they get hemorrhoids. <laughs> Come on. Don't act like you haven't thought that. Sorry, if you hadn't thought that, you probably are now, okay? So... I'll pray for them, all right? Like, like, I mean, I'll pray they suffer. I'll pray that, that, that God will pay them back in some way. I pray that they go bankrupt. I pray that they get theirs coming. And I'll be really, really honest with you today. That's kind of where I've been with this person in my life. I actually, I haven't prayed that prayer about hemorrhoids for them yet, but, but I, I really am at that place right now where I, I really want to pray some mean things towards this person, right? Because they've wounded me. It's real for me. But of course you understand this. That's not what Jesus is saying because he actually actually said this. He said that you have heard, this is Jesus speaking, he says that you have heard that it was said, he says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy because that is the way that it was taught. But he says, I tell you, he says, I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, when Jesus said this, here's the amazing thing. You could have heard a pin drop in the room because again, when he says that you have heard that it was said, like this is how you're supposed to live, that's how the Romans lived. See, see, the Romans, they worshipped the God of revenge. In other words, it was taught to them that if somebody wronged you the way that you do them, like this was normal, is you wronged them back, right? There's nobody who understands this better than brothers, right? I mean, brothers, you, got, you understand. If you have a brother, you understand. When they do something to you, you do it back, right? I mean, it's like if one of my boys, they punch the brother, the other one, what are they going to do? Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Don't punch me, please. No, they, like, they hit them back, right? So me and my brother, we, we, we grew up, we are less than a year apart in age. So we are like, by six days, uh, we are less than, than a year apart, which those six days for me were like glorious growing up because I always thought, we're the same age for six days. Like I thought I was like so cool. And I was the younger brother. So I was always being picked on by my brother and I mean, I could never really get revenge. But I remember this one time I was in college and I was working construction and uh, we were working on like the second floor of this, these apartments that we were building and there was no walls up anywhere because we were doing the sheeting on, on, the, on the floor. We were doing the, the, the floor. And so um, I, had, I was standing there and I was working in like an area and my brother was just a little ways away, not very far. And as I was working, I had this great idea, which was not a great idea, that I was going to take a nail and I was going to chuck it up in the air at my brother, hoping he wouldn't know that it was me. Like, who else is going to do that? And so I literally took this big nail, and I chucked it up in the air really high, so it would, like, take a while. And then I acted like I was working on something, and it did not hit him. I wanted it to, but it did not hit him. It landed, like, right next to him, right? And as it went, ping, I heard it hit. I, like, I must have looked up and grinned. Like, like, dude, that was me. Like, dumbest mistake ever. And my brother looks over at me like, are you dumb? And I'm like, I'm like, kind of, I'm like, go back. I'm like, what? It wasn't, wasn't me. And the worst part where I was really dumb is my brother had a nail gun in his hand, okay? <laughs> True story. If, I, if I'm lying, I'm dying, okay? I'm like, literally, he, he takes the nail gun up. He pulls back the safety and starts doo, 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 shooting at me. I felt like James Bond. I'm running like over and I'm like diving behind barriers. Like, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry, right? But like, that's brothers. Like, you throw a nail at me, I'm going to shoot you with a nail. Like, that's what I'm going to do, right? 
And this is how the Romans lived. This is what they did. They're like, hey, listen, if you break my bone, I'm going to break one of yours. If you take something of mine, I'm going to take something of yours. It's like, you flip me off, I'm going to flip you off with two hands, right? I mean, that's sometimes our, some of you, you have that mentality, okay? That's why I don't have a TVC bumper sticker on my car, okay? But, but Jesus, he comes along, he says this, he says, no, no, you guys have it all wrong. I want you to pray for the people who persecute you. I actually want you, get this, I want you to love your enemies. See, see if you've been around church for a while, you, you've heard this before, right? Like, this is nothing new. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this stuff we kind of hear, and sometimes we're like, yeah, I, I've heard it before, and it's kind of like easy to absorb until what? Until you actually have an enemy. Like, I'm talking a real enemy, right? Uh, until you, you, you meet somebody who's molested somebody that you know in your family. That's a real enemy, right? And Jesus says, I want you to love that person. I want you to pray for that person. It's easy until somebody starts lying about your wife. It's easy until someone starts picking on your kids. It's real easy until you feel like it's personal in your life. See, I hear love my enemies, and that's really great until I have an enemy. Not somebody who offends me, but somebody who I view as a true enemy in life. And here's what I hope you'll see. If you've been devastated by somebody, if you've been let down, if someone lied to you or about you or gossiped about you, I think the first place that you have to start is you have to pray for that person. Why? Here's why. I think, this is how I kind of like was thinking through it. I think that a right attitude always precedes the right actions. See, the idea of loving your enemy for you, you're like, no way, no way. And I think in order for you to get to a place where you have the right actions of actually loving your enemies is you have to have the right attitude. I love my boys. They're amazing. But sometimes, can I just tell you, their attitudes suck, right? I mean, any of you have kids, you understand this. Sometimes it's like, I think to my, I mean, I think, why do you have such a bad attitude about things, right? It's like when your kids have a bad attitude, and my boys anyway, maybe I'm the only one, but when my kids have a bad attitude, they don't want to do anything. You ever notice that? Like, I'll say to my boys, I'll say, hey, you guys destroyed your playroom. Like, could you guys go downstairs and clean up your playroom? Why? Why? Because you made the mess. How about that's why, right? Well, I don't, are you going to do it for us? No, I'm not going to do it for, well, I don't want to. Well, I don't care if you don't want, right? It's like, it's like all of a sudden this attitude, and then it's like, hey, hey, could you guys take care of your dishes? Like, or te- you know, take your dish after you're done and put it in the dishwasher. Like, just sit it like in there. Why? What do you mean, why? Like, how about you make your own food going forward? How about that, right? It's like, it's like and then I'll be like, hey, hey, guys, your mom did all your laundry, and she folded your clothes for you. Could you take the clothes that are already folded and go put them in your drawers? I hate this. What? Right? And it's like their attitude. It's like, you ever notice that? It's like they don't, it don't, doesn't matter what it is. And then all of a sudden they get like a good attitude. And it's like everything changes. Every, every single one of you. If you're a parent, you've used this before, right? Where you just look at your kid and you say, you need to do what? You need to change your attitude, right? And I say that all the time to my boys because I understand that sometimes when the attitude changes, the actions will change. You know that when an attitude changes, when they're in a good mood, it's a world of difference. I'm shocked at it sometimes because why? A right attitude precedes the right actions. So 
if I'm overwhelmed with bitterness towards somebody, there's no way I'm going to have the right actions. But I think when you pray for somebody, when I pray for the person who's wounded me, something happens, right? My, my attitude starts to slowly change, and it's slow. And it has to be a daily routine, but it happens. See, if you're waiting for you to feel like it to forgive, you'll be waiting a long time. If you're waiting for the emotions to be like, I feel good about forgiving this person. Again, I don't think you're ever going to get there. If you think I just got to get in the right mood to forgive, again, I don't think you're going to get there. But all of a sudden, when your attitude begins to change, it leads to the right actions that you know you need to take in your life. Honestly, this is what I've been doing. So I've been doing my own life with this person. Where, you know, for me, where I've actually started is I just, because I don't know how to pray for the person sometimes. Again, they've wounded me, and so I'm like, I'm hurt, I'm, I'm confused, I have so many different things. And honestly, this has been my prayer, and this might help some of you. I've just been saying, hey, God, would you do something? I don't even know what something is, but that's my prayer right now. God, would you do something? And I'm not talking about anything bad, God. I'm just, I'm saying, would you just do something in their life? I don't know what it is, but do something. My, my hope is, and I'm not there yet, my hope is that I'll move to a place of being able to say, hey God, would you bless them? Imagine that. If you could get to a place where you said, God, I want you to bless my enemy in life. Now hear this, when you do this, when you pray for people who have wronged you, when you say, God, would you just do something in their life? I'm praying for them. I'm praying for good things in their life. It may or may not change them. I want you to hear this. But it will change you. See, sometimes we pray to God and we say, God, would you do something in their life? And our hope is, come on, if you're like me anyway, my hope is that, that they will be changed. My hope is that inside of their heart that God would do something and maybe that happens. It may or may not happen, but here's what begins to happen, which is the most important part, I hope you hear this, is it does something to your heart. It may or may not change them, but it will change you. And this is how Jesus taught us to pray. That you give praise to him first. That you say, I want your will before my will. God, give me, give me, give me. And then Jesus, forgive me. God, I need some help today. I need help in forgiving this person. I want to forgive them. I'm choosing to forgive them today. I'm praying, God, that you would do something in their life. So we pray for those who wound us. And then secondly, I would say this, after you do this, you choose to forgive. In the same manner that you've been forgiven. It's so important that we choose to forgive in the same manner you've been forgiven. Paul says this, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive, how? As the Lord forgave you. Now, I can't speak for any of you in this room. I don't know about you, but the Lord has forgiven me of a lot. I can't speak For any of your lives, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know the messes that you've created. But when I think about my own life, when I think about God's amazing forgiveness for me, it's a lot. And I don't know how many lies that you've told. I don't know how many people that you've hurt. I don't know how often that you've disobeyed God. I cannot speak for you, but for for me, when when I look at some of the messes I've created, I've been forgiven of a lot. And because of that, my job is to forgive them in the same manner. My job is to forgive the people who've wounded me. I'm going to say something that's not going to make some of you very happy. But, but some of you, you're here today and you've been so wounded by somebody. You've been wounded in your marriage by somebody. And you would even say that you have grounds 
for divorce, and you're contemplating this idea of getting a divorce, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you with all my heart today that you might even have grounds for divorce. And I'm not making light of the situation. I'm not saying that you have not been wounded. I'm not saying that it hasn't been hurtful. But you, you, you might even have grounds for divorce. But you want to know what else you have grounds for? You have grounds for forgiveness. I didn't figure I'd get an amen on that, but it's true. I hope somebody heard, I, I hope you hear that. I hope some of you might need to hear that a week down the road, a month down the road, a year down the road, that you might have grounds to get out of a relationship. And I'm not saying that, it's, that you should be in an unhealthy relationship. There's times where you need to separate for a moment to get healthy. And I understand all that. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about anything like that. But for some of you, you need to hear this. There are people in your life that you just need to forgive. In the same manner that Christ has forgiven you, In our flesh, we might think, I don't have the ability to do it. But with Jesus, with prayer, we can lean into this. And at some point, you make the choice. And that's what it is. It's a choice. It's not easy. But but the thing about the other side, so so you and I can choose to forgive, but what's the other side of forgiveness? So, So if I say this person has wounded me so deeply, I can choose to forgive them. Or what is the other side of forgiveness? It's it's bitterness, right? So let's just kind of go down that road for a moment. Every time I see that person, I'm gonna just be bitter, right? So, so Christmas for you comes along and that person shows up at your house and you're like, I'm just going to be the best bitter person there ever is. When I see them, in fact, when I get mad and angry, my ears turn red. So I'm going to have my ears turn red and I'm going to be bitter and I'm going to be mad and I'm going to ignore them and I'm not going to look at them. And when their name comes up, I'm just going to get fuming and mad. I'm going to be the best bitter person around. I'm going to be filled with hateful thoughts. I'm going to think about clawing their eyes out. I hope they suffer in hell. Come on, some of you have all thought that. You know this, bitterness, it never works. In fact, Annie Lamott, she quoted it this way. She says this, she says, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's what bitterness does for you. Is that really what we want? See, I think the reason why Jesus said, I want you to forgive in the same manner that you've been forgiven is because he understands that bitterness, all that does is it eats you alive. All that does is it, it makes it painful for you in your life. And Jesus is saying, that's not what you want in your life. So, so what do you do? You begin to pray for that person. You take it to God. And then one day when you get to the place, you play this little clip. Let it go, let it go. That's all you do. Sorry, I had to. But, but that's what you do, right? You, 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 you get to this place where you say, God, I am... I'm going to let go of what they said. And I'm not going to bring it up again. God, God, I'm going to let go of what they did. God, God, I'm I'm going to let go of the hurt that they've caused me. I'm going to let go of the bitterness. And let me just tell you, I know this is true for me anyway. I sometimes have to do this on a daily basis. Sometimes I have to do it multiple times a day. Where I say, God, I'm going to choose right now to let this go. Painful as it is, I choose to let it go because the bitterness, I'm telling you, in my own life begins to creep up over and over and over again. And all those things that you all laughed at and and thought that's funny, I've had some of those thoughts in my own heart about this person because it's painful, because it's real. And some of you, if you're gut level honest, that's how you feel these days. There's bitterness there. See, the world is going to teach us that we are to to only love those people who love you 
and hate those people who hate you. And Jesus comes along and says, oh, you got it wrong. I actually want you to do something so different. I want you to forgive those who have wronged you. I want you to bring it to me. Because in the end, bitterness never works. So so I don't know where any of you are at today. Maybe you are looking at me like, man, Joel, you are messed up because of how angry you are and bitter you are towards people in your life. And maybe I am. But all I recognize in my life is I need God more than ever when it comes to people who have wounded me. And there's some wounds in your life that are deep. There's wounds in your life that are kind of shallow. There's little things that are happening. But when it becomes real for you, this is tough. And maybe for you today, God is speaking to you saying, you need to come before me and you need to forgive, not because they've earned it, not because they deserve it, in the same manner, Joel, that you didn't earn my forgiveness and you don't deserve my forgiveness. And yet over and over and over again, I forgive you. And in the same manner that I forgive you, Joel, your job is to forgive them. And it's not easy. But it's what we choose to do. Would you just do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for the sake of everybody in the room? I want to give you an opportunity today to respond because I feel this is important. And maybe you're here today and you have somebody in your mind that you're saying, I need to forgive. I need to let this go. I need to choose to pray for this person that God would do something in their life. And you've come in today with some bitterness in your heart. You've come in today with some anger in your heart. You've come in today with this person who has wounded you so deeply. Would you choose today to forgive? If that's you, no head, no head looking around, no eyes, eyes up, just every head bowed, all the eyes closed. If that's you, would you just out of a, just kind of a, a surrender, raise your hand and say, Joel, that's me, I need to do that today, I need to forgive. My hand's up because I need to. If that's you, amen, amen. Yeah, I, I need to do that in my life. There's somebody in my life, I gotta let it go. I, got, I gotta give it to God. If that's you, just raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. You can put your hands back down. Father God, we just come before you now and we thank you for the people who have raised their hands saying, God, I, I need that in my life, God. And, and I understand sometimes, God, this pain is so real. And yet you're bigger than all of it. And so God, I pray that, that you would help us to forgive those who've wounded us. God, I pray for every person who wrote down a name on one of the ornaments and we put it up on one of the trees stating that we need to let go of this thing. We need to forgive God that you would give us the power that we need to do that. that. That we'd recognize, God, that we can't do this on our own, that we need you more than ever. God, I pray that this week as we go through our weeks that we would not be people who walk around with bitterness, but we would choose forgiveness. Not because they deserve it, but in the same manner that we didn't deserve your forgiveness and yet you pour it out upon us over and over and over again. So God, we love you and we thank you for your amazing love for us. Be with us this week. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week. There'll be people up front to pray with you if you need prayer after the service.